Welcome to Limitless, the Blind Beginnings podcast where seeing things differently inspires limitless possibilities. This podcast is being brought to you by Blind Beginnings, an organization based in Vancouver, Canada, that supports children and youth who are blind or partially sighted, along with their families. Limitless was created in order to inform, educate, entertain, and share stories from within the blind and partially sighted community in order to show the world that the opportunities for those who are blind or partially sighted are truly limitless. And now, it is my pleasure to introduce you to your host, the executive director and founder of Blind Beginnings, Sean Marsley. Welcome back to Limitless, the Blind Beginnings podcast. I'm your host, Sean Marsley. Thank you for joining us again this week. This podcast is being released the week of Valentine's Day. So our episode is sort of along the Valentine's line. Last February, we released an episode on dating where I talked with two females about what dating's like when you're blind or partially sighted and your partner is sighted. We talked about some of the challenges of meeting somebody, what sorts of things we were attracted to, how to navigate educating the person you're dating about blindness, and a lot more. If you haven't listened to that episode and you'd like to, it's episode number 35. Following that episode, I was contacted by a parent of a child who's blind saying how much she loved the episode and that it had caused her to have even more questions. She wanted more, which is why we are doing another episode, dating part two, if you will. And I thought it was important to get the male perspective. So I'm really excited to introduce our guests today, Richard and Grant. Welcome to the podcast. Hey, guys. Great, great, great to be here. Hi, thanks hey. for being here. Okay, can you start off by introducing yourselves a little bit, your sort of level of vision, how long have you been blind, and um, what's your relationship status? Hi, this is Grant, and uh, I've been blind since birth. Um, and currently, I have a long-term partner. We've been together for uh, just a little over four years now, hard to believe. Um, and she is effectively sighted. She does actually have uh, a little, uh, some vision loss in one eye, but she's sighted enough to drive. So effectively uh, sighted. Uh, yeah, so I'm Richard and and I have also been blind since birth and uh, not totally blind. I have a little bit of residual vision, but I don't, uh, I don't use it that much. I, I did learn Braille and uh, various things as I was growing up. So, and I'm currently married and we've been married for five and a half years, almost six years. And uh, he is sighted and he doesn't drive. So we, 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 may, we do navigate the city by public transit and other, other means of transport. Are you, I did, I'm going off script already, but how did you, how did you both meet your partners? Are you, are you willing to share that? Yeah, of course. So I met my uh, partner online. Um, I tried a couple of different dating sites and I met my partner on OkCupid. So in my case, I, I did try a number of dating sites over, over my time of dating, um, but uh, didn't meet my partner online. I met him at a friend's party. And uh the interesting part of that of the story is when we met, we were friends for a couple of years, and then and then we started to date. But while we were dating, we realized that we had met each other at a fundraiser for his mom's choir three years before we saw each other at the friends' party. So it was it was kind of it was kind of interesting, and uh, 
and uh, yeah, and then we we dated for a couple more couple of years, and then got married. So, oh wow! So yeah. you were you were just destined to meet. You just... We we were, and it, and it, <laughs> and it, it was it it. Uh, I can get into it a bit later in the show, but uh, uh, but basically, when we met at the at his mom's um, choir's fundraiser, I did like him, but I wasn't out yet, and so I didn't pursue it. <laughs> Ah, okay. That's a good story, I feel yeah. like. So let's talk about pursuing somebody. It's, I mean, maybe it's 2022. I'd, it, I don't know. And I've been married now and with the same person for like, ooh, how long? 11 years. So um, I don't know what it's like to be dating right now, honestly, but is it still sort of the male pursues female and if so, how how does that work if the male is blind? So I would say, thinking back about maybe 10 years or so ago to my university days, um, that was a little bit tough um, because my the partner that I was dating at the time, you know, I met in uh, just in our dorm. And uh, I had I had really no idea kind of how to pursue her, how to express interest. We were friends, but I, I didn't really know how to move past that. And uh, I kind of asked a couple of people for advice and they mentioned that, you know, you just have to be straight up. You just have to talk to her and say, you know, I think you're really cool and I'm interested and maybe seeing if we can go on a couple dates and yada, yada. And, and that's essentially what I did in this climate you know i think things are really changing and in fact the quote unquote like wisdom that i've read on the internet is that it's actually becoming a little bit less appropriate to pursue people in your dorm or in your class your classes or on the transit or in the mall or anywhere other than places that people specifically go to to look for a relationship like a bar or an online dating site or maybe a party. Now, I think for people who have done that and are now in happy relationships, I think that's fantastic. I certainly would knock that. But uh, if I was doing it now, I may be a little bit uncomfortable doing that kind of face-to-face. And I do think a lot of those gender roles are are starting to change, maybe a little bit slowly. But I think both genders are now, uh, you know, if you feel comfortable looking for a relationship, I think I'd like to think that we're becoming on more equal footing now. You think, though, if you could see each other, you know, say you're on transit and you see somebody you like and they see you and I don't know how sighted people do that, but the eye contact and the smile and the where it's mutual can does that still happen do you think or could like do you think blindness plays into this a little bit like if you were to pursue a stranger in a setting that's not set up for dating you have no idea going in whether there's going to be a positive response or not as well right yeah and i I don't i i think uh nowadays because it's there's there's the society's the the rules are changing so much that i i would think i i kind of think even for sighted people that's kind of dealing that you know, they make eye contact and smile at someone that you're pursuing. Maybe like 
you might want to do it more cautious, cautiously because you don't know yeah. what what how the other person is going to react as well too because it, it it's, the roles and and how things are done are changing so much I think and in some ways in the past I think it was it was it was more acceptable and but for, as a blind person especially a blind person pursuing same same sex relationships it it was a bit of a challenge knowing whether the, the whether the person you're pursuing was also interested at, as well too unless they unless they showed some real uh, 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 so some real like uh, if they actually demonstrated uh, um, some activities that might be that demonstrated in a way that actually might uh, show that they were that there was some interest as far as what they said and how they how they conducted themselves as well too well i mean yeah. how do you know if if somebody is gay or straight or, you know, there's that too, right? Like, you, so you don't, uh, and like we, uh, in, in, because, uh, like I, I know, um, when I was younger and before I was out, you miss, and even at the bars, you miss all those signals, the eye contact, the body, body movement and all that stuff. And, and it was really difficult to, to find people that would, that, uh, uh, were either interested in you or that you were interested in as well too. So it it was a definitely more difficult. That was partly why I reverted to uh, doing things online and and going to more structured social uh, settings as well too. But even even then, it was it was strictly luck of the draw. Like in, when I met my husband, it was it was uh, we uh, we were like initially at this party, even before we realized that we had met each other before we didn't uh we like it was it was it was really sort of it it happened slowly and and really organically like it uh, it it just all of a sudden we we started talking to each other and next thing you know we're we're dating and uh years later we're getting married and we're still together so it was but it was it wasn't forced so yeah. at that party did you know he was gay when you first started talking to it him? was it was oh yeah it was it partly because it was a gathering of gay men that were coming that were that were that came out later in lives and so oh. that's that's how we knew for sure um because it, it was it was it was gay men uh specifically get that, right. that like it was a gathering so yeah we we, we i knew and uh I, he knew i was gay and then things like that and mm, that's, that's, that's helpful how, <laughs> yeah. So that, that was helpful, but in a public setting, it's definitely, it's definitely more of a, it was, it's definitely more of a challenge uh, to, to determine whether, especially if you're interested in, in same sex relationship or, or people that have the same similar gender expressions as you do as well. Mm-hmm. From sort of a heterosexual perspective, um, there's, there's this kind of, there's a, a feminist community uh, that I've been reading lately that's really kind of helped educate me and change some of my assumptions and perspectives that I've had. And and one thing that a lot of people say is, you know, traditionally, if you run into a a woman at the mall or the transit or uh, wherever, and she seems like she's being polite and friendly, and just a warm person, a lot of people will take that to mean that she's really into you, even if she's just literally sort of trying to be polite. And on the other hand, women who are not even being rude, but they're just sort of like, you know what, I'm kind of in a rush right now, you know, that kind of thing are interpreted to be very rude and unkind by guys. So 
you know, every now and then you hear about someone who kind of meets someone else in like these crazy set of circumstances. You're on the side of the road and, you know, or whatever you're passing by, you know, you notice their car is broken down or whatever, and you sort of help them with it. And it turns into a conversation and then a coffee date. And before you know it, you're happily married. But oftentimes, um, in the this movies, is actually, maybe <laughs> that's actually a story, a story I, I read, okay. um, but uh, a true story. But um, more often than not, people, from what I understand, don't don't love to be hit on in, in public. But it does make it a little bit tricky because I think online you have a little less of a chance to make a first impression if you have a disability than someone meeting you in real life and realizing that you're a cool person. Yeah, and I, like I think one of the things, like, like, because like, as Grant was saying, I was thinking about, like, sometimes you might, like, it, whether it's same sex or it's a, it's a man, man and woman, like, you might, mm-hmm. you might mistake in the woman's sort of niceness, like as you were saying, and and like you 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 know, and it's and it's someone that's really helpful for you, and they're the nice nice person, and then you make that initial step. Uh, we'd like to go for a coffee, and then it just it just changes the whole interaction because they. they they just like you you've you've made an assumption that they didn't they didn't intend they were just really being nice and and they had no they had no interest in getting to know you in in that sort of relationship so uh like you'd almost you almost have to let that 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 you know that being nice sort of uh, last a little longer and and then and then see like if especially if they if they keep interacting with you then sort of pursue it as as you as you get to a point where you think you might be friends and and then sort of move to that next let's go for a coffee uh, stage and, and do something in a public place together and then see how it goes from there but it's 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 i think as a blind person it might be that it's a longer process. Like if it was two sighted people, like in the case of, of the, you know, the person coming to help you fix your car on the side of the road, you might be able to pick up, you might pick up from their, from their, how they're making eye contact and how they're smiling at you that they, you know, that they might actually have more of an interest in, in you than, than just helping you fix your car. So how can you tell, do you both feel like, cause that sounds really hard. Like, you know, and I understand, I totally understand from the woman's perspective, just because you're friendly doesn't mean you're interested and all of those things. But then how do you know if somebody's interested or do you yeah. like, is it, it's just a gamble every single time? It's definitely more of a gamble at pretty much every time in a public setting. It's probably less of a gamble in places where we were talking about earlier, like online dating or in at a pub or some sort of social gathering that was meant for people to possibly meet each other Mm. yeah I think that um it is somewhat a gamble I think that um absolutely okay to express that you're interested in somebody even without those visual cues just as long as you're being uh respectful and I absolutely have had people in my past who I maybe would have pursued something with where you know after the fact someone will say wow you know their their body language you know really indicated that they were attracted to you or or wow you know you kind of kind of missed the 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 mark here on this one and i i just hadn't been thinking of it at all so 
Um, and quite the, the reverse too, that someone will just be nice. They think I maybe look lost and, you know, they've come over to help me and I, I may interpret it the other way. So, you know, un unfortunately, I think it is harder without that body language, but it's certainly very much doable. Interesting. The coming over to offer help. Like, do you feel like being blind can be a pickup tool? <laughs> Does it work? I, it, uh, it, it possibly in the right circumstances, uh, it, uh, I, I, I always remember when I was a lot younger, especially when I got my first, when I used to have guide dogs and I got my first guide dog, they like, and, and this is before any of my friends knew that I was gay and, 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 uh, and like everyone's like it's the dog is going to be you you'll have you'll have uh any any date that you want and and uh to a certain degree it was but it really was about the dog in my mm. opinion like it was it was more the dog a, a guide dog is a is a good icebreaker but i it's it's the interest that someone may you, you think the person has in you is might be more about the dog part <laughs> in the end as well and you have to kind of you kind of have to navigate that as well too to, to determine what okay you have to really quickly determine was it really about the dog or are they genuinely interested in me and 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 is the dog does the dog factor into it because they're do a dog person as well and they just and they just love do people that have dogs as well too mm -hmm. uh, whereas with the white cane it uh well, to be honest with you, I probably had more dog dating experience than white cane experience. So I, <laughs> I really, I really don't know. So Grant's probably better at the white cane part. Yeah, I, I can't overly say that I've ever felt that being an approach and offered help or standing out because of my white cane was really an advantage in the dating scene. If anything, I, I tended to feel that those you know, oftentimes those experiences can be a little bit stressful because you're lost, you're trying to get your bearings or, or what have you. And it, it doesn't immediately sort of jump to my mind that like, oh, I'd really like to interact with this person again. Yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm not as convinced. I think Richard is probably correct that if you're meeting a, a dog person, you've got a dog, you start up a conversation. I mean, that's tricky too, because sometimes you don't want your dog to be distracted from the work that it's supposed to be doing. Um, but I, I think that's that's going to be a very individual experience. I can't say it's really been my experience that it's been helpful. I don't think it it's really much of a pickup tool on the female end either. So <laughs> that makes sense. I'm just curious when you were doing online dating, did you um, disclose that you were blind in your profiles? So I didn't in my profile um, because I kind of thought, well, I want to, I didn't want people just, I, like I, I, I didn't want to, I didn't want to screen out anybody just because they saw the word blind and they, and they would just move on. Uh, but what I did do was in, initially in the, in the, you know, sort of chatting back and forth, you know, through the, through the dating platform chat function, like whether it was okay Cupid or plenty of fish or something like that. Um, I disclosed it pretty early in the conversation because I did have a bad experience where I forgot to, and was in the process of arranging for a date and then realized that we hadn't had that conversation yet and then had the conversation and that and that that brought the whole uh, the whole potential sort of love interest uh, to a date or dating interest 
to an abrupt end, like because I was mm. basically accused of lying to the person, and oh. and I wasn't really lying. I would I withheld information. I I I really had forgot about it because we were having texted back and forth, and then and then I got comfortable enough to exchange. Uh, back in the day, you still exchange phone numbers, and uh, we were we had we had chatted a few times, and finally kind of said, okay, let's meet at this time, and we're uh, at this place, and. Uh, and that's when I realized it was like, oh, oh my, I forgot to tell him that I'm blind. <laughs> and because because I I had, when I was much younger, tried not to say anything at all and then showed up with white cane or guide dog. And it's just, and 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 that that would made it more awkward. So I always kind of I didn't want to put it in my profile, but I dispensed with it very early on in the in any meeting and discussion. And in the case of when I met my current husband it was pretty in it was pretty obvious like we we he uh saw the guide dog and uh and it was it was pretty obvious and mm-hmm. and so it was it, it and it was a at a gathering and and he uh he he like a um, came and said hi and because we were kind of all mingling through the room so he came approached me and said hi and we just like i said started chatting and and uh next thing you know we were we we're getting married and uh but he, he like he 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 said the thing that attracted him to me it wasn't like he 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 didn't really care about the blindness part he he just loved my laugh and and because i was i was talking with another friend and i can't remember what we were talking about but obviously it was funny cuz and so he wanted to come and the, the, he said he just that's what he the, he just mm-hmm. thought i was this really happy person it's so interesting that the that person accused you of lying because you didn't share this you know this fact about yourself like oh anyways that's yeah. Yeah. <laughs> infuriating like mm-hmm. it's, I, I feel like do they feel they are owed the I don't know that's just really interesting yeah my guess is they felt that they were owed that explanation right off the bat and so I I kind of that was my learning uh as mm-hmm. we call them at work my learning moment Right. And, and then, so I, I didn't, I didn't want to, I didn't want to change my profiles to include it in my, in my profile, but I, I, I wanted to dispense with it as, as early as possible in any, in any conversations. Mm-hmm. What about you, Grant? Did you disclose? So I took the polar opposite approach that you did, Richard. And I should mention that I completely agree with um, the point about just unfortunately screening a lot of people out by mentioning blindness right off the top. And that's something that I was aware of, but because I'm maybe not the most, I don't have enough self-confidence really to let that not bother me. I think those, those rejections that I kind of always heard about from other people where you get to this point where, you disclose, someone kind of felt like you sort of dropped a bombshell and then suddenly the conversation is at an end. I had a a photo which clearly showed me and my white cane in my Mm. profile. And I very prominently mentioned that I was blind. I mentioned that, you know, I'm working, that I live independently, uh, et cetera, et cetera. Um, But that was something that I mentioned right off the top and they, tried to make sure that my matches actually read through my profile as well so that they were aware. I kind of wonder if whichever approach you choose, I, I 
kind of get the sense that it, it makes sense to disclose at least before meeting the person because I don't feel like it's lying to not, but I, I guess I would view it as, look, should it matter? No, but it is something that affects your life. Dating, I guess, is about being vulnerable and just kind of throwing it out there. And I would consider it too big a thing about myself to, to leave out. Yeah. Uh, that's interesting. I mean, I met my husband online as well and, um, I did, I tried it both ways and I did have the situation of, I would always try to say it early on as well, but I didn't have it on my profile initially. And I had just one person, you know, after like a back and forth twice, me, me telling them and they, them disappearing, I was like, okay, I can't handle that. (laughs) So then I, I started disclosing and, but I, I wasn't as bold as you grant. I didn't have a photo of me with a white cane. I think I said visually impaired. So I tried to sort of downplay it a little bit. Um, and I also spun it in a positive, you know, kind of, there's a lot of perks dating me. I can't see if you're having a bad hair day and we can get into the movies two for one. And, you know, I sort of made it jokey and lighthearted, but yeah. Definitely. Oh, that's a really good approach. Yeah. yeah it works. That's, that's a neat approach too. Yeah. Cause I, I cause it's that, with that, that's all true too, as well. So, mm-hmm. uh, and, uh, and uh, like, I don't know, I don't, I don't know if, 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 if my spouse is having a bad hair day, unless he tells you I'm having a bad hair day. <laughs> right. They yeah. always look perfect in your yeah. mind. Yeah. <laughs> um, what about not driving as the male? I, I, I sort of feel like being a, the blind female in, in a heterosexual relationship is, you know, there's sort of that stereotype um, maybe not as much now, maybe it's changing, but where the man drives, certainly my dad always drove when I was growing up. So I don't, I never felt like if you're going to ask somebody out that I'm going to, I don't have the pressure of having to pick them up. Do you, did you feel that Grant when you were dating? Yeah, I, I would say yes, to be honest that, I mean, look, should, should those gender roles matter? No. Is it kind of a bruise to my ego that I can't drive. Yeah, a little bit to, to an extent. And I think that it's, I mean, look, it's that one sort of thing that we, we haven't quite cracked yet driving and, and flying. I'm sure within our, our lifetimes we will, but it is more than just the, those gender roles too. I mean, it's a question of, you know, for example, my, my partner and I like to go away to the Okanagan and that's about what a, several hour drive and that's not really something where we can just sort of you know take turns hey I'll I'll, you know give you a break I'll get behind the wheel you know Mm -hmm. so having her uh to have my partner be responsible for the driving and in some cases planning the transportation even if we're together and taking the transit is certainly something that uh, I wish I could change, but it is what it is. And, you know, when you find the right person, you know, that's something that you'll uh, work through together. I think my husband only has a problem when we both want to have a few drinks (laughs) and he has to drive. So it's, it's, that's when I notice. but we just take transit right in those situations so that he can have some drinks too. 
Of course, I don't and drink for just, any of those younger listeners listening. <laughs> <laughs> and that's just it, right? Is that you you end up with those situations where we can drink and our partners maybe cannot unless we put some thought into planning mm-hmm. the transit outing. So yeah. And as I, as I was mentioning earlier, neither one of us drives. So in our case, it's that, that it's, it, it is, it's, it's, it's almost like in the situation where, where your listeners like that, if you're considering dating another blind person, that's kind of what we do. We end up doing, cause we, we, we basically in that, and when it comes to living out, doing things outside the house, it, it is like two, two blind people because neither one of us drive. And, uh, and so we we always take public transit or or cabs or Uber or Lyft uh, to anywhere in the region. Even when we go on holidays, like uh, like we we use the public transit system for going to other cities or or go to places that are walkable as well too. And uh, mm-hmm. so it, it's uh, that yeah, from our standpoint, like it, that's the big difference. But uh, I like I like, with same sex really. There's not that gender, but I always kind of. I still kind of felt like, uh, like, it, it, like when I, if I was dating somebody that drove, that drove, and when I did do it before, it was, I always kind of like it was, it was, it was hard to sort of get it, it, it out of my head that they're, they're, that they, that uh, make, making sure that they didn't feel responsible for me, uh, get, getting me home or back or back to wherever we're, wherever we'd met as well too. So. Um, I always tried to make sure that I could get to and from the, the venue and if they were coming to my house, if it, if, if it got to that point that, uh, or, and I was going to their place that, that I, I always tried to make my way there. And then if they offered me a ride home, it was, it was more because they were, uh, they were, they, they, they want to be, were interested in me or they were just, uh, we, we had become good friends, even if, if, even if things romantically didn't work out. Um, that's just it's interesting because as a woman, when I was meeting people initially dating, I wouldn't want to use, usually I wouldn't want to go in their vehicle anyway. Yeah. Um, just out of safety. I didn't do it. I didn't do it. And that's the same thing. Like it, it, even in same sex, and especially if, if you're the person with, the, with a disability, or I didn't go in someone's vehicle until I was, until I kind of felt comfortable enough uh, being around them in, in public situations as well too. Yeah. Um, and, and then I would do it, but it was, uh, um, it, because it, it is, it is risky. Like it is, there's even, there's still riskies. And if you have, if you're a blind male, mm-hmm. um, in saying sexually, there's still a risk and it's, uh, and you have to sort of account for, for that as well too. That's, is there other safety concerns when you're dating, when you're male? Um, for women, it's it's definitely something we kind of have to think about. I would say there's there's some, but they they involve like things like you know you, 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 if you're if it's if you're in same sex relationships as males, uh, you, you, it, it, the general safety issues that the, that every every male that's in de- in engaging in same sex relationships should should be aware of, like uh, safe sex, uh, uh, make sure that you're meeting for the first time in public places and don't uh, yeah and don't sort of let the person convince you to go to sort of secluded locations and and things mm-hmm. like that because like it, it, there's there's always the risk it's there there's always there's always some risks involved whether it's uh whether it's uh that you you're good like that that you could that you could get something or that it it, it or someone that's that's 
potentially going to indulge in uh, homophobic activities or gay or what's typically known as gay bashing, like beating beating you up or something like that. So there's always a, a bit of a risk, but uh, don't uh, for any of the parents that are listening. It's it's it's. Uh, I would uh, it, when when your children come out and are comfortable ta- talking to you about it. I, I don't uh, try not to express any additional concerns thing, that that you think you would if if your children were not in same sex relationships and um, and uh, and were cited as well too. Yeah, for sure. I would say that girls and women, for sure, I think have safety challenges that you know I I would be less impacted by. But as Richard said, there's always risk no matter who you are, and I think you know, some of the the tools that I might have used on a first date would be to just, uh, you know, make sure that someone kind of knows approximately where I'm going, approximately when I expect to get back, you know, have that, um, that uh, obligatory, you know, cell phone on you and know how to call, uh, you know, the emergency line, know how that's set up, and really have some familiarity with the location where you're going. I would say, you know, don't do it right at your home, but maybe somewhat close if you can manage that. And as we talked about earlier, just make sure that you kind of know what your exit plan is, whether it's a taxi or the bus, kind of have an idea of how you're going to get home afterwards. You're not in charge, your, your date is not in charge of your transportation. Yeah. Such a good point, because if it then, doesn't go well, that could be so awkward, right? That could Can be really awkward. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then the, the other thing, too, is like for the, the any of the young listeners, just like be open with your parents and, and, the, and the parents be open with your children and and uh, and don't uh, and have that real open, honest conversation about uh, about uh, relationships and, uh, and, and, and the on online world, because the, uh, the, the online world has, has inherently so many other risks of people pretending to be other people as well, too. And, and if you're really young, that's, it's, it'd be, it's, it's hard to, to, uh, to, it's really hard to sort of determine that, like you, you to, to determine that if you're younger and, and, and or if for anyone, like it, it's on online dating, it, it adds a whole other level of risk that, uh, Mm-hmm. That uh, that I think parents and children should have an open conversation about and and be, and be very open about their online activities uh, if they if they are uh, at the age where they can where they're look where they're pers- actively per- trying to pursue a relationship online. I always would have a, a phone call before meeting somebody because I think that in text you can be anybody, right? Yeah. And I I trust my intuition. So being able to speak with somebody gave me a pretty, a better sense of who they were. And just if I felt at all, I don't know. I mean, you can't just go on that, but for me, I do really trust my intuition when it comes to people. So if it didn't feel right, then I would not meet that person. Oh, that's smart. Well, luckily I think, you know, these sort of zoom meetings are, are becoming more and more quote unquote acceptable. So I think that may turn out to be our first couple interactions with, with people for a, a while anyway. So that's uh, that's really a good tip. That's something that I didn't do myself, but it's uh, an excellent tip. 
Mm. Yeah. I, I, same thing. I always, I always uh, made that initial phone call before actually agreeing to meet someone because it, uh, and, and, and there's a couple of times I got it wrong. Like I, I like it, we, we, like the phone call went really well. And then I met them. I thought, okay, this is definitely not for me. <laughs> so, but it, but it, uh, but it, uh, it wasn't, it, it wasn't sort of a situation where I ended up, um, I, I never, I never did that either. I never met someone based on, uh, agreed to meet them somewhere based on our text conversations. Yeah. Did. Yeah. Okay. I want to ask how you know what you're attracted to when you can't see, or how do you figure out what you're attracted to, what you're physically attracted to or who you're physically attracted to? Um, you know, I feel like sighted folks just are, are initially the initial attraction often is something physical from being able to see them. So how is it for you guys? For me, it's voice. That was, that's a big one voice. And then if I can get close enough to a person, then I might be able to get a sense of physically what they're like. If like, I like to, um, in my case, I like people that were tall, a bit taller than me. It, it really, it really depends. It really depends. But I, I did have to be probably physically close enough to a person to really determine if I was physically attracted after I sort of got through that. Uh, I like that. Uh, I like the sound of your voice and uh, that part of it. Yeah. I suppose I would, I would say voice for sure. Um, kind of a certain, just their de demeanor, like a certain attitude that they bring, you know, it's not patronizing. It's, you know, just like treating, uh, thinking of both of you as, as equals, um, you know, someone who's, who's fun and open. Um, yeah. And then I would, I would just say there's kind of a chemistry that's sort of difficult to describe, but I think really depends on, an individual person that when you meet and start interacting with someone, you'll kind of feel whether or not that chemistry is there. So I, I bet it would be difficult for anyone to kind of draw up like an exact, you know, sort of ideal of what their, their partner would look like, but it's just more about that kind of chemistry when both of you meet and start yeah, and to get to know each other. Yeah, and I, I think Brad's right. The demeanor and the character of the person really plays a big part of it, and like into it, and and that uh, like uh, like because obviously in a, in like in long term relationships, it, it's got to go beyond more than just the physical attraction as well too. So um, th that that for me too is a big a big part of it. And as as I mentioned earlier, like uh, my my husband and I, we we had actually met at three years before we 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 had met at this friend's party at a fundraiser and uh and and at that particular time i wasn't out and and i was i'd went to this fundraiser with some so with some friends that didn't uh, that didn't know i was gay and 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 so my husband who's now my husband and i we sat together for three hours chatting and, it, and his demeanor was just was 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 uh was really something that I was really attracted to at the time. And then as we realized, as we realized after we were dating that we'd met before, uh, then I, then I, it, it kind of made sense to me because it, it because I, I was attracted to the same exact things about him at this party as well too. And, mm. and, and, and as I, as I more actively pursued him and, 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 uh, and friends, a couple of friends did a little, tried to do a little bit of matchmaking as well too. So. I'm really curious how society's kind of 
view of what is attractive might influence what you think you're supposed to be attracted to, especially in your case, Richard, like you're roughly the same age as me, a little bit older, but you know, when we were growing up, you weren't seeing gay couples on TV. You weren't, I I would assume that certainly my parents assumed I was straight and treated me as such. Was that your experience and how does that impact? So that, that was my experience. And when I was a lot younger, I dated, I did, I tried dating women, but uh, didn't have that level of physical attraction that, that really was necessary to sustain any relationship. And, uh, and so, because that's, that's what we were told we should be attracted to. And at my age and as well too. So um, when, and then, and then, uh, then when I had uh, started pursuing same sex relationship, I, I tended to still, I like I tended to look for guys that were mask more masculine like like me like I I didn't because I I kind of thought well I want to, I don't want to date really guys like I'm 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 dating men I don't want to date any anyone that's effeminate and mm-hmm. so I I so I didn't so I pursued pursued people that were probably that I that were really didn't show any interest in me and and then but then uh, and then when I met my met my husband it was uh, we he wasn't really exactly what I was, what I thought I would be attracted to it, it, uh, but it worked out for us and, uh, and, uh, and worked out for me as well too, because I, 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 there were so many things about him that I liked and, um, and the, the, the likes definitely outweighed the dislikes, but he, he wasn't really quite the person that I, that I kind of in the back of my mind when I was younger than when we met, Mm -hmm. I, I, that I would, could be in a relationship with, yeah, I mean, I think we all have this idea in our minds of who we're going to be with, and I certainly did not end up with somebody that fit that bill either. So I, I think you, at the end of the day, you you fall in love with who you fall in love with, and so maybe society should just shut up with their <laughs> ideas yeah. of what we're looking for, right? Yeah, and I and I think now, especially now, as as you know the typical gender roles are, are slowly changing society and, and gender expression. And, and there's, there's less focus on, you know, the, the quote unquote, perfect body. There's, we're asking people to eliminate body shaming and various things like that. So I, I, I'm wondering if I'm kind of hoping that will change and that, that people will, will open up more to what they're attracted to, whether it's uh, people that have the same gender expression as them or, or heterosexual relationships. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree with what um, Richard was saying as well about just uh, the importance of letting go of society's expectations about, you know, who you should be attracted to, even, you know, being, you know, people are being a little more fluid about their, their attraction, they're not labeling themselves as just attracted to guys or attracted to to girls, It's, it's more sort of fluid and about the individual. And I think that's really that's really cool. I think we're a long way from, you know, eliminating those expectations completely, but uh, hopefully with time, a lot of those stigmas will, will fall away. Okay. So this is the question I've been nervous about. So, Mm -hmm. (laughs) um, and this was a question from a parent, which is otherwise I just avoid asking it altogether, but (laughs) when you can't see the ways people physically interact in romantic relationships, um, either in real life or in movies, how 
and, and, you know, given the fact most things happen behind closed doors, um, how do you learn what to do and how to do it when it comes to some of the physical stuff? So I would say that first of all, the idea that people watch like a romantic movie and there's like this spark and then everything just happens and it's so perfect and seamless just like it was in you know the the movie scene as sighted parents and sighted people know that's usually not how stuff happens especially what? there's no fireworks <laughs> when you kiss for the first time <laughs> yeah and it's and just the swelling magic. music <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's usually not how it happens even for sighted people and I think knowing that is very reassuring that if you are talking to others or if you're reading about others sort of first moments with various stages of intimacy they're usually extremely awkward mm. um, and also as you said a lot of things happen behind uh, closed doors as well so a lot of things are kind of discovered by you know couples on their own so it's generally what the media puts out is not 100 percent uh, realistic so i again do i think we're at a disadvantage yes to some extent and i will never forget my first one of my first times going on a uh, something that I was heavily hinted at was a date it was like a group date and there were two couples sitting I was in high school and we were sitting watching a movie and it was super awkward I didn't really have the guts to kind of speak up and ask if someone could like check if it you know just like describe the movie or whatever um and then as we were leaving I realized that the other couple next to us had been kissing the whole time and mm -hmm. I was probably maybe expected to do it too and just had no clue what was even going on and then at one point I asked the girl like do you think maybe we could hang out again you know this summer and she's just like oh I'm gonna be pretty busy for the rest of the summer so <laughs> oh, no <laughs> to say I blew that one would have been an, an understatement um, but I I do think that a lot of people just like us learn with their partner a lot of it is not visual it's about chemistry and intimacy and touch and physicality you get the drill mm -hmm. so I, I really don't think that we're at as much of a disadvantage as society would tend to tell us we are yeah I would agree I think it wasn't that hard to figure it all out um but I would add that you know I didn't know what the equipment looked like <laughs> Right. Um, not being able to see the the stuff that we were shown at school the diagrams that you know the the one dimensional things and and so I was pretty surprised the first time I encountered the male anatomy because that's not what I thought it looked like um and so yeah. as as you know somebody venturing into this whole dating world that was the, that could have been very intimidating and and awkward and I know. would I would a hundred percent agree with that 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 is something that it cannot be explained mm -hmm. it cannot be really demonstrated through diagrams like you said it's something yeah. that all kids and teens are exceptionally curious about and 
I'm not sure that's really, there's really an easy way around that until you're kind of in the moment, unless you guys have an, an answer to that. But that, that is, that's absolutely true. No, I'd, I'd agree. Like, it, cause it, there's nothing, nothing that will prepare you ahead of time, even, even props and things that mm-hmm. might, might look like the, cause it doesn't, it's not going to feel the same. It's, it's, it's yeah. just not going to be the same. And every, every person's slightly different. The anatomy is slightly different. And, and, and you might've had based on the media preconceived notions of what to, what to expect and how, how, how the, uh, how the anatomy is going to look. And then it turns out it's, it's not really quite like that. And so that's the kind of stuff that like that happens behind closed doors that, that really, you can't get, you definitely, I don't think anyone like Grant's right. I don't think even sighted people I get a true sense of that based on what's in the media. Because uh, if you base, if you base uh, your first kiss on what you you hear in the media, like you, we should have all saw fireworks or, or something, or at <laughs> mm-hmm. least. Yeah. Although, I mean, I remember like being at going swimming as a kid and being in the public showers and seeing other women and, because even part of my own anatomy was was a surprise. <laughs> because when you're visually impaired and you can't really see and everything's blurry and everything kind of looks the same, there's there's just surprises all around. So I think some of it is it definitely, you know, or you just catch you accidentally walk in on somebody as a kid when when you're sighted and you get a sense of what they look like. Um, when you're blind, that doesn't happen in the same way. So it's true, it, yeah. yeah. No. Let's talk about parents a little bit because I know there are parents who are listening. So what did your were your parents concerned when you when you started dating and if so what were their concerns? For me I came out as a as someone that was 38 39 years old. So it was a bit different that they so they when I was younger they didn't have any concerns about same sex dating because I didn't tell them. I was very very quiet about my my interest until I, until I had met someone, uh, had, had met someone that it was then and decided it was time to tell my family and friends. Mm. So, but their concerns when I finally did tell them were, were more about, uh, safety, uh, as far as in, in being in same sex relationships, uh, because they still had preconceived notions about, and, and I shouldn't say preconceived, they still had a lot of concerns about HIV and AIDS, which right. is which is a valid concern. Like it's because it's um, as we get further away from that particular epidemic, and the the I think uh, young people really need to be more cognizant, and parents need to have that conversation with that with their young children, if they're if they're their youth, their teenagers, or young adults, children um, about being safe. So that's, that's my, that was their main, con- their main concerns. And when I was younger, when they, when they thought I was dating women, it was more about, you know, making sure that I was, uh, that I was like, that I, because I was the male. So like, it, 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 I think there's parents of, of, of young girls or young women would, would probably have more different concerns than say, Grant's parents or my parents had it when, when, when I was uh, in my late teens, early twenties. Yeah, I can, I can spell that one out. That was my parents' main concern. Don't get pregnant. (laughs) That was definitely the thing that they drilled into me. My parents got pregnant when they were teenagers. So they just didn't want me to repeat that. Yeah. Uh, Grant, what about you? What, what concerns do your parents have? 
So I was raised by a single mom and I'll be honest, I did not do a lot of dating in high school, but when I did hang out with people from the opposite sex, so I was hanging out with friends, my mom was always pretty permissive. My mom tried to give me good sex ed, which cannot have been easy. Um, and also really just told me to, you know, feel free to let her know if I needed help with something. Like if I was ever, you know, somehow got stranded late at night, I didn't feel comfortable getting into a vehicle. Maybe people had been drinking, whatever the situation, like, please call me. I'm, I might be, you know, annoyed, but call me and, you know, I'll, I'll come and, and get you. Uh, my mom, you know, gave me privacy to chat with people on online and use the computer. Um, I completely understand that there are a lot of risks, especially for, for girls, but for guys too, that parents have to, you know, contend with and, and think about and worry about. And I think most parents would just prefer that you know, look, my kid is only thinking about school until he's 25 and whatever, but that's just not the reality. And I think that if you establish yourself as a confidant and someone your child can trust and come to you when they need help, educate them, be, you know, as liberal as you can. I know from, you know, psychology courses that like abstinence only education does not work it doesn't produce the effects that we hope it does um i think i think just being as as open to them dating as you can i think parents who try and be too strict you run the risk of either your kids becoming sneaky and not telling you about stuff including if you are in trouble and need help or you know in the case of like what you were saying, Sean, you know, I know there are heartbreaking stories where, you know, perhaps someone's been abused. They come home, they tell their parents and the answer is, well, you're not supposed to be this kind of a kid who gets into trouble like this, you know, which is like very far removed from a response that is really appropriate and helpful. So, but I think the biggest thing my parents did for me that I, I would hope other parents do as much as they feel safe is just just being there for their kid educating their kid and and knowing that they'll always be someone their child can trust to go to and, and I, I think the other like the grant grant made a good point like but if, if, even if you're you're even if the kids aren't dating or, or actively like in it but they are going out socially with friends and things like that to make to just it make like work with them to make sure that they have an exit plan that you can support and that you can be part of if, if they if they need you to be as well too like uh, to like to get home safely from uh, parties and events and and like um don't uh, don't be too angry uh, if they don't uh, if they don't tell you if they end up getting home an hour or two later than you expected them and things like that, or, or, uh, or like, like when I was younger, sometimes I, I, I wouldn't, uh, I, if I it would go away to other cities and things when I was in, in my twenties, like I sometimes I wouldn't phone my, and then, and then I'd hear about it after, but don't be too upset if, if they decide not to, but try to work with them to make sure that they haven't always have an exit plan and know where they are. Richard, I, 
I'm maybe putting you on the spot a little bit, but I mean, I'm raising a child. Um, he's only eight and he's just, you know, grade three, they're starting to have crushes and things. And he's asked me about what is a crush mummy. And I've just said, well, that's somebody that you maybe, you know, would like to kiss is how I've described a crush to him. And he's like, ew. So he's like, not there at all. But I want to make sure he knows that whoever he chooses to love is totally fine with me. But it's, you know, a lifetime of this sort of man woman thing. So it's always, you know, anytime marriage comes up and, you know, well, when you meet somebody, if you decide you want to get married, it's always sort of he or she, or, you know, like I try to throw that in, but do you have any other advice so that you know, parents can just be really like, make sure that their kids know that they're accepting of whatever, whoever they become and whoever they choose to love. Yeah. So I, I think if you're like, if, if you're a parent and uh, your, your child expresses interest in doing things that, that are like, maybe not part of what you think is normal or, or I hate the word normal, but typical, uh, typical behavior for someone of that, uh, of that gender, uh, like allow them to explore explore those interests and, and things as well too so like if, if if your boy likes playing with your your with the dolls and things or they or they want to dress up in things that that look a little sort of look like frilly and like uh mm-hmm. girl light let let them do it and um but i think the 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 uh the, the school curriculum now is a lot is a lot more gender diverse than it ever was when Grat and I were, and you were in school um, mm-hmm. as well too. So like it, because back then it was, it was male, female, and the, 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 the sex ed was very, uh, it, it basically did portray typical gender roles and, and things like that. And not just the sex ed, even the family education that, that, mm-hmm. that we had at, at, in school back then. So I think, I think the school curriculum now is, is more, is more uh, reflective of what society is. So um, um, if they come home and if they come home and talk about uh, learning about uh, the uh, like the trans, someone that was transgendered, have that conversation with them and don't don't discourage that conversation. Thank you so much for joining me, you guys. This has been fantastic. I really appreciate your openness and just sharing a topic that's really personal. So thank thank you so much. Oh, thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. And thanks for having me. I'm just glad to be part of this. You've been listening to Limitless. If you have a question, a comment, a future topic request, please send us an email to limitless at blindbeginnings.ca. Please leave us a rating, a review, share our podcast with a friend, and join us next time. This podcast has been brought to you by Blind Beginnings, an organization based in Vancouver, Canada, that supports children and youth who are blind or partially sighted along with their families. Music for this podcast is composed by Sean Bishop and Clement Chow. Production and audio editing by Rob Minot. For more information about Blind Beginnings and the work it does to support children and youth who are blind and partially sighted along with their families, visit us on the web at www.blindbeginnings.ca and also remember to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. We thank you for joining us and we look forward to seeing you next time.